Well, it sure is great to get to sing praises uh, to our God. And uh, as I was preparing my message uh, this week, I got to thinking about each particular point that I'm going to share tonight. And there was a hymn that immediately popped into my mind about uh, every point that I'm going to be making today. So we're going to have an interesting worship service. I'm going to preach for a few minutes. And then when I get to the end of one point, Adam is going to come up and lead us in that song. And uh, at the end, you, we will sing a song together that uh, is part of my introduction here today. But if you've got God's Word, if you will turn with me to Psalm 86. Psalms 86. In Psalm 86, this notice if you've got... Uh, Headings over your scripture. This is called a prayer of David. A prayer of David. Aren't you glad that God records prayer, prayers in His book, so that you can see uh, how other people have prayed at various times during their life? Kind of gives us some encouragement, doesn't it? Uh, how we ought to pray when uh, things go bad in our life. So let's read this together. Uh, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for, you, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Uh, unite my heart, or as the NIV says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. And they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Isn't that a great prayer from the Lord? Fanny Crosby Though she was blinded in infancy, uh, greeted friends and strangers alike with this saying, God bless you, dear soul. According to her own statement, she never attempted to write a hymn 
until she got down on her knees and she prayed to God for his help and his insight and wisdom. She spent a lot of time on her knees because she wrote over 8,000 hymns. Even though she was blind, she wrote 8,000 hymns. Hey, Adam, why don't we one Sunday sing all of Fanny Crosby's songs? Let's start in the morning. You think we could get finished by night? I mean, but probably not. One day, uh, Fanny Crosby <clears throat> prayed for more than just words to a song. She needed $5 uh, to pay some bill or something. Uh, she didn't have time to go to her publisher and draw off her account. And so she simply got down on her knees and she said, Lord, I need $5. She got back up and sat back down at the piano, was trying to write a song, and she heard a knock on her door. Somebody came in and a gentleman visited with her, an admirer of hers. And as he shook her hands to walk out the door, he put something in her hands. After he left, she looked down. It was $5. She had that kind of relationship with God. She got up and she went to the piano and she wrote these words. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside can I doubt His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whatever befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. What a great prayer life. David, too, was a man of prayer. We read a lot of his prayers in the Psalms. He enjoyed an intimate communion with his heavenly Father. He expected God to answer his prayers. What can we learn from this passage about prayer? I want to share with you just a few things. First of all, we should pray for God's protection. That's seen in verses 1 through 5. We should pray for God's protection. In light of who our enemy is, we oftentimes feel poor and needy. I don't know about you guys, but Satan attacks me about every which way, uh, all times, all points of the day, from various directions, and usually it comes in bunches. Have you ever noticed that? It's like Satan just grabs a whole handful of darts and throws them all at the same time to see where he can stick us. Listen to what David said over in Psalm 37, verse 14. He says, The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. David faced a real enemy. Possibly it was the time when he was fleeing from uh, Saul. We really don't know when this prayer was written or the circumstances behind this prayer. But evidently, uh, David was under attack and he felt himself to be poor and needy. And so he prayed for God to preserve his life. And he made it clear that he trusted in God Alone, David knew his only source of hope was God. And so he prayed that God would preserve his life. We live in day and time when things are pretty bad, aren't they? Just turn on the television for a few minutes. Uh, just think back over what's happened to you this past week. Think what's happened in this world this past week. Sometimes I think we'd be better if we didn't have television. Y'all ever, ever felt that way? Uh, I remember uh, when I was in, Lisa and I were in Chile as missionaries. And, uh, of course, the news there was in Spanish, and we were 
when we first got there, especially, we were still struggling to speak Spanish. And uh, so we didn't watch a lot of news. Of course, we couldn't get any news from the United States. You know what? My life was a lot more peaceful then than it is now when I know about all the stuff that's going on. David faced uh, a culture and he faced a person. He faced danger to his life, but he asked God to gladden his soul. That's what he says here in this thing. In verse 4, it says, Gladden the soul of your servant. Even in the midst of his trial, even in the midst of his being attacked by somebody, even in the midst of feeling poor and needy, he asked God to gladden his soul. Have you ever been depressed because of a situation? You know what the Bible says? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you feel down and when you feel like you're being overwhelmed by your enemies, ask God to gladden your soul. Isn't that a great prayer to pray? Lord, gladden my soul. Make me joyful, Lord. Joy doesn't depend on circumstances. Happiness depends on circumstances. Joy depends. Joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. God Himself can give that to us. And so we ought to pray and ask God to gladden our soul. Then he reminds God, for the sake of his soul, of God's goodness and forgiveness. Now, does God need to be reminded about his goodness or forgiveness? No, but our soul needs to be reminded, especially when we're going through difficult moments, don't we? We need to remember that God is merciful and God is gracious. His steadfast love, as we talked about this morning, does not cease. In fact, he abounds in steadfast love. Guys, I am so glad that God's love is not fickle. It doesn't change like the weather, which around here would be pretty often, wouldn't it? Like every other five minutes, it's raining around this place, and then the sun comes out and it rains again. You know, it's just been that way all week long for the last couple of weeks, actually. And, uh, but God's love is not like that. Jesus Christ said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, unto the ages, unto eternity. And so we can go to God in prayer and ask for God's help based on who God is. That reminds me of a soul, a song. It's called Have Faith in God. So grab your hymn book, turn to hymn number 508, and Adam will come up and lead us in the first verse of this hymn. Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches o'er his own. He cannot fail, he will prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. Ever been there? The second thing that we learn about prayer from this prayer of David is we ought to expect God to answer us. We ought to expect God to answer us. Look at verses 6 and 7. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, 
I will call upon you, for you answer me. Why did David pray to God? Because he knew God would answer. Do you expect God to answer you when you pray? That's a, that's a pretty important question, don't you think? Don't you think that impacts our prayer life? The way we ask God for help. David said, in my day of trouble, I will call upon you. Notice, David didn't get angry and bitter because he was going through a tough time. He was going to go through a tough spot. He didn't get angry or bitter at God. He simply prayed to God. He, he uh, turned from his trouble to face God. He didn't blame God for what he was going through. We've been studying uh, Job, haven't we, in Sunday school. And uh, Job kept asking God, he necessarily, didn't necessarily blame God, but he said, Lord, you know, if you'll just show up and let me have a conversation, maybe you can explain to me why I'm going through what I'm going through. He wanted to know the why. Well, let me say this to you, if you had not figured this out, God doesn't always tell you why. He doesn't owe you any explanation. He's God and you're not. And sometimes you just have to trust him. But David went to God in prayer because he knew the Lord would answer him. Do you know that God delights in answering the prayers of his children? Hebrews 4.16 reminds us, Let us therefore come boldly, boldly, not timidly, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Have you ever, ever heard somebody say, or maybe somebody said it to you, I can't believe that God answered your prayer. Why can't we believe that? Why can't we believe that God would answer our prayer? One lady was asked, one Christian lady was asked one time, does it surprise you that God answered your prayer? And she said, no. It doesn't surprise me, it's just like Him. It's just like our Heavenly Father, guys, to answer our prayers. And so we can go with expectant hearts that when we take a matter to the Lord in prayer, God Himself listens and God Himself responds. Of course, you've got to be patient and wait upon the answer. That's the part I hate, is the patience thing. I want God to answer right now. You know, if I'm in the middle of a mess, I want out of the mess right now. But sometimes there's some things that I need to learn while I'm in the mess that I can't learn when I'm out of the mess. In fact, I, I've learned more about God in my days of trouble than I have in the days of plenty when things were going well. And so sometimes we go into the valley so that God can teach us something. And so while we find ourselves in the, battle, in, in the valley, the key for us is not to become bitter, not to blame God, not to get angry from God, not to walk away from God, but to keep crying out to God until He answers how many times have you gone to the altar in prayer and you've prayed about something and you've laid it on the altar and then before you walk out the door, you reach behind you and you pick it back up so you can keep worrying about it or you can still try to, you can still try to fix it. You, you do realize that God does not need our help, right? God is the all-sovereign, all-powerful. If you were in Sunday school this morning, you should have learned this. God is all-powerful. God can do whatever God wants to do. As I've been reading through Isaiah lately in my personal devotional time, uh, God continues to say, I'm the Lord, there's not anybody else. Whatever I plan, whatever I purpose, that's what's going to come to pass. Why? Because God is all-powerful and God can do what He wants to do. The key for us is to be patient 
and to wait on Him. And that's the hardest thing in the world to do because when we find ourselves stressed out about a situation, when we find ourselves in the hurt and the pain, we want it to go away and we want it to go away right now. But we need to be patient and wait on God to answer because God will answer us. He will answer us. Sometimes He answers through that still small voice. Sometimes He answers through His Word. Sometimes He answers through a good friend, a brother, sister in Christ that comes alongside. And they say one thing and it just kind of clicks in your brain. Hey, that's what God wants me to know. And so God answers our prayer. The waiting, again, is the hard part. But what does the Bible tell us about waiting? What does God say? Those that wait upon the Lord shall do what? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Now listen, I hadn't run in a long time, but if I had to run, it wouldn't take me very long to get weary. But when you run with the Lord, you can run and not be weary, spiritually speaking. You can walk and not faint. And so we need to be willing to wait upon the Lord. The fact that God answers us reminds me of another hymn that we sing. What a friend we have in Jesus. Adam? I think it's hymn 154 if you want to turn in your hymn book. friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Another thing we learn about prayer from this particular psalm is that we ought to praise God for His greatness and His power. Look what David says, and first of all in verses 8 through 10, he says, There's none like you among the gods, O Lord nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. And then look down at verses 12 and 13. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love toward me. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of of Sheol. David understood just how important God was, how special it was to have a God who was all-powerful. In fact, there are no gods like the Lord. You remember the, the challenge that Elijah gave to the prophets of Baal and their 400 prophets of Baal against one man, Elijah? And Elijah makes a challenge to those prophets of those false gods he tells them, let's put an altar, let's put an altar together. And let's put wood for a fire. And let's put a sacrifice on top of the altar. 
And then let's pray to you, you pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God. And whichever God answers by consuming the sacrifice, that will be, or that is the true God. Prophets of Baal began to pray and cry out and weep and beat themselves and cut themselves where blood would flow because that was supposed to get the attention of their God. And Elijah begins to say, well, maybe he's asleep or maybe he's gone away on vacation. And they continue to cry out and to do all these crazy things to try to get their God to answer, but nothing happens. At the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah had the people that were there to repair the altar of God. And you remember, an altar of God was not something fancy. It was to be made of uncut stones that were just put together so that nobody would worship the altar and not the God of the altar. Elijah put the animal sacrifice on top of the wood. And then he told those servants that were standing nearby to go get big water pots and literally drench. There was so, they, he dug a trench around the outside and they put so much water on there it filled up the trench. And Elijah simply bowed his head and said, Lord, I'm thankful that you heard me. And immediately, immediately, the sacrifice was consumed and all the water that was in the trench was consumed. What did the people say? The Lord, He is God. Guys, the idols have no power. Isaiah, Isaiah points that out. Jeremiah points that out. Uh, Isaiah points out how foolish it is because people chop a piece of wood and they take part of it and they burn themselves to warm themselves by a fire. And then they take the other part and they take it to a, a, a some kind of craftsman that builds it into an idol and they fall down and worship that idol. But when they get ready to leave town and move somewhere else, the God can't move with them unless they pick it up and take it with them because there's no life and there's no breath in them. Guys, our God is alive. He is all-powerful. He has the power to do whatever He wants to. He has the power to answer our prayers as we spend time with God in prayer and we spend more and more time, we realize just how great our God really is. We know what kind of God He is and we know we ought to praise Him. Should we not in prayer? Should we not praise God for being the one who answers our prayers? The one who gives us the privilege to come into His presence? The one who does mighty things? Open your hymn book to hymn number 28. And let's sing this hymn together. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement. For sin and open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Look at that last verse if you've still got your hymn book open. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done. 
and great our rejoicing through Jesus, the Son. Guys, we have a God that does great things, and we ought to give Him praise. Notice another thing that we learn from this particular psalm is that we need to ask God to give us an undivided heart. That's one of my favorite verses in all of Psalms, is Psalm 8611. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Guys, we need an undivided heart, don't we? This world and this culture seeks to divide our heart. It seeks for us to have dual focus, focus on the world and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need God's wisdom. If we're going to see the situations around us, the way that God would have us see those situations, we need to have an undivided heart. God or David knew he didn't measure up to God's standards, but he had such an intimate relationship with God that he wanted to be more like him. So he prayed for divine instruction. He said, Lord, give me an undivided heart. He wanted divine instruction so that he could follow God so that he could be obedient to God. What does Solomon tell us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Guys, we all need to be directed in God's paths. We all need His wisdom. We all need to have an undivided heart. Satan wants us to lose our focus. This world wants us to lose our focus. You know what this world wants? The one reason why, why the world doesn't like Christians, our culture doesn't like Christians, is because we don't think like they think and we don't do what they do. They, they want to live in one big party. They don't want to be responsible to anybody and they want us to do the same thing. And they sure don't want us to point out to them when they're sinning. They don't want us to hold up the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ because it, it shines a light on their darkness. And the darkness does not comprehend or understand, as John said, the God, darkness does not comprehend the light. Satan does not want us to be focused. He wants us to have a divided heart so that we are have our focus on the things of this world as well as on the things of God. You know what? What happens when you try to focus on two different things? Have you ever tried to do that? Ever tried to focus on two different things at the same time? Maybe somebody that's standing nearby and then somebody standing way off down there behind you and you're trying to focus on this person and focus on that person down there. What happens? You get blurry-eyed, don't you? You can't see anything. You've got to focus on one or the other. Guys, we need to have an undivided heart so that we will focus on the Lord. How many times are our heart, is our heart divided when it comes to God and His ways? We have this great desire as believers because the Lord's put this in our heart. We have this great desire to follow God and to be like Jesus. That's what, that's what God wants us to do. That's why God recreated us. But we also have these sinful desires that are present in our life. And what we want is to be focused on God and also sometimes be focused on the things that bring us pleasure. But guess what? That's a divided heart. You can't live with a divided heart. 
It's really hard to do that. Just like you can't focus on two different things. In fact, James tells us in James 1.8, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That was Israel's great problem. Israel's great problem is they wanted to worship God and they wanted the blessings of God, but they also wanted to worship the idols of the Canaanites because there were fertility cults and there were other things that, that really appealed to their base nature, their sinful hearts. And, I, and David here prays just like you and I ought to pray, Lord, give us an undivided heart so that we may fear your name. I don't know about you, but I want an undivided heart. I want God to be my center of focus at all times. As we draw closer to God in prayer, we realize just how far we are from God and we want to be more like Him. And we want to, we want to, to realize without His help, and we, must, and we will realize without His help, we will never become all that He wants us to be. So we need to ask the Lord to teach us to number our days so that we can have a heart unto wisdom. Guys, that's what we need in the world in which we find ourselves today. Turn to hymn number 529 and see if this hymn speaks to you tonight. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I pray. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You know, when God unites our heart, when He gives us an undivided heart, uh, the joy of our heart comes in obedience to Him. When God gives us an undivided heart, the joy of our heart comes in our obedience to Him. The last thing that I see here in this passage of Scripture, there's a, there's a number of different things. We could have been here all night, but I just picked out three or four things that I wanted to point out to you. Uh, lastly, we need to praise God. Even though David was poor and needy, even though he was crying out to God for help because he felt his life was in peril, he understood and experienced the love and the mercy of God. Notice how many times he talks about God's steadfast love. Look at verses 12 and 13. He says, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love towards me. 
And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol or from the places of the dead. That's basically what the depths of Sheol are. Uh, it's considered the place where all the dead people went in the Old Testament. Uh, God says, David says, Lord, you alone have delivered me. I, I should have been dead already. I mean, David faced Goliath the giant. The odds were not very good on his favor, right? And yet God had delivered him even from death. And so he praised God for all that he had done. When we understand how far we are from God and we realize just what a great sacrifice that God made to redeem us, all we can do is praise him. We ought to praise Him every day. We ought to praise Him. Uh, and praise comes from the overflow of a thankful heart. Are you thankful to God tonight? Are you thankful for all the things that God has done for you to bring you to this point right now? God has greatly blessed each and every one of us. And we ought to praise God for great is His steadfast love. Not just in general. Notice what David says, very specific your stead, for great is your steadfast love toward me, for you have delivered my soul. He's not talking about somebody else. He's talking about what God has done for him. What's God done for you tonight? Should we not praise him? If we're going to live successful lives, we need to be very dedicated to prayer. We need to be like Fanny Crosby, who got down on her knees every time before she wrote a hymn. And ask for God's help. She had such an intimate relationship with God that when she needed something as simple as $5, she just got down on her knees and said, Lord, I need $5. And God immediately answered her prayer. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask besides? Can I doubt His tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. Here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Let's finish tonight's message by singing the song. And this is one that Adam doesn't know. Believe it or not, I didn't know Adam didn't know. Any, I didn't know there was a song in that book that he didn't know. But he's not real familiar with this one. So I'm going to try to help us sing this tonight. So turn to hymn 474. Hymn 474. Let's stand together as we sing this. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divine is comfort, here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with a living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul athirst may be, 
Gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. And gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. And all the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of His love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed immortal wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. And this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Let's pray together. Father, give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to be people of prayer that trust and rely on you. And Lord, we trust you. We trust you to lead and guide us every day. And Lord, when this life is over with, we trust you to lead us home. And we thank you for the grace and mercy that we have today. Lord, I pray if anybody's struggling with anything tonight, Lord, they will do just what David did. They will go to you in prayer. And Lord, I ask this and pray it in Jesus' precious and most holy name. Amen.